2: Welcome to a special edition of The Wrap. It is, of course, election season. The balance of power in our state's General Assembly is on the ballot. These are the folks who set tax rates, decide how much funding schools receive, and next year may have something new to say about abortion restrictions. So today we've got a little mini-debate for you. I'm Travis Fain. I cover government for WRAL. And I'm joined by two state lawmakers, one Republican, one Democrat. And they're going to make their cases for why Republicans should or should not have a supermajority coming out of this election. So say hello to Republican State Representative Jason Sain of Lincoln County.
1: Hello, Travis. Thanks for having me on.
2: Thank you for being here. And Representative Marsha Moray, a Democrat
0: from Durham County. I am. Nice to be here, Travis. Thank you. Thank you, Representative Sane.
1: And thank you.
2: First things first. So what is a supermajority? That's when one party wins enough legislative seats to overturn the governor's veto. Right now, Republicans have a regular majority. They can pass what they want in the legislature, but Governor Cooper, a Democrat, he can veto it, and without a supermajority, Republicans have never been able to overturn one of his vetoes. This, Cooper would argue, keeps bad ideas off the table. But if Republicans pick up five seats in the elections that are now underway, they can overcome those vetoes without any help from Democrats. It's going to come down to a handful of swing districts around the state, and if you're listening to this in Wake County, you, you might be in one of these. So... Representative Zane, I'm going to start with you. Lay out your case briefly. Why why should people vote Republican? Why should we give Republicans a supermajority?
1: Well, part of it is the quality of candidates that we've recruited this time. I think we've got folks in districts uh, that are running in some of these competitive districts that we're talking about uh, where we've recruited some really good quality candidates. And so part of that is, is the reason, I mean, and part of it is philosophy, uh, we we've we've gone through 10 years of, of really good economic times in our state, uh, in large part due to the tax reform and the management that we've had from the Republicans, uh, in the house and Senate, uh, and things have gone very well. There's been some other you know bumps in the road with covid and and the fact that we couldn't get some of the legislation through that the governor kept vetoing on 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 openings of of things like gyms and 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 other institutions that as we were trying to move through that. So it was complicated, and I get that. And there was certainly opinions on on both sides. Uh, but i but I do believe that as voters go to the polls, that they need to look at the record that we have in the state over these last ten years, and and look at the republican ticket and i think when they do that gives you a super majority because we've just done so well in recruiting and 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 really being very tactical in in making sure that we have folks that relate uh, to the people in their districts
2: and i should say so the last 10 years it has been started with governor mccrory and a a, a republican legislature so they could do what they wanted and then governor cooper got elected but you still had the supermajority, so you could do what you wanted. And then in 2018, Democrats broke the supermajority. So we've been under this kind of divided control of government since 2018, so about four years. Uh, Representative Morey, there there's essentially no chance Democrats can win their own majority in these elections. So make your argument for the status quo here for divided government, Democrats able to sustain Governor Cooper's uh, vetoes.
0: Thanks. Well, you know, divided government calls for conversation, it calls for compromise, it calls for ideas from both sides of the aisle to come forward. And I think what's important for people to understand what a majority means. I mean, how much power goes just simply with a majority? That the speaker determines who's on which committees, uh, when bills will be heard, what bills will be heard. I've filed 10 bills about gun safety, not one of them has gotten a hearing. And so, you know, you need to understand that having the majority is extremely powerful. Having a supermajority almost negates a party. So I think the balance we have, uh, divided government, I think is good. Um, I wish we did have more say. I came in when we were in a super minority, and then we uh, broke that. But I think the governor's veto has been good to stop some bad bills. We haven't been able to push a good agenda that I think public opinion has behind us. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to someday the Democrats will take a majority because I do think we're on the right side of a lot of the issues the public agrees on um, and a better balance in the in things that we're hearing in passing.
2: Saying you can respond to that as you see fit, but also uh, hit this uh, idea for me. We've had a really strong run of economic successes lately. Uh, isn't some of that due to the shared governments we got here if Republicans controlled things had the power to pass you know whatever social issue bills be it abortion be it LGBTQ issues would Apple still be coming here uh, is the Cooper administration's friendly stance toward electric vehicles not part of the reason we're becoming a hub for that industry you got Toyota VinFast, Wolfspeed, speed all kind of connecting that area so it, economically how much of the credit do you give to Republican tax policies you', you all have cut taxes? significantly over the last decade versus the moderating impact of divided government?
1: I, look, I, I, I think, you know, varying opinions matter, certainly. And and having input, just because someone wears the Republican label or the Democrat label, I don't assume that they agree with me or disagree with me. Uh, a lot of the bills that I run, I, I usually try to go recruit, uh, you know, members of the other party so that we can uh, get buy-in and get input and get these things passed, whether they're in the minority or whether you're in a, a higher minority or a lower minority or whatever, um I, I do try to build consensus on a lot of the bills that I run. Uh, when we look at the budget, we try to build consensus and get, get you know, buy-in. Uh, certainly with, with a, with a uh, uh, you know, uh, not having a supermajority, we do that uh, because we don't want the budget vetoed. But even before that, when you look when I was finance chair, we, we, we had a record vote on our budget when we had a supermajority. So uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that the other party doesn't have a say-so. Uh, I think it comes down to the individual legislator, how, how how well they work with others, how well they push forward their ideas. Um, you know, and but I also think that, but you talk about the economic success. Um, look, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an electric car guy. I, I, I wrote in the Rivian before the governor did. Uh, and a matter of fact, uh, sponsored the legislation that brought Tesla into the state. Uh, so I, and, and EV vehicles are, are happening, uh, in, in our, you know, our, our, Traditional manufacturers, if you think Ford, Chevy, and so forth, I mean they're they're really pushing it. Uh, so I think part of that's just happening. We just happen to have the right business climate to recruit those type of businesses here. We've got a workforce that we've helped develop over the last decade. Uh, they see that and they want to come to the state. I think it's a victory for all of us. I, I absolutely do. But I, I don't know that that's necessarily because uh, the governor. The governor's been able to to, to enjoy, as I always say, he, I'm glad to have him cut ribbons for new business to come here uh, because it. I mean, you know, he's he's the, he's the figurehead he should and his commerce department's part of the recruitment but we've given him a lot of tools to work with and part of that's a really great economy to do so
2: yeah but how much does taking a restrictive abortion bill off the table because of the veto threat how much does no house bill 2 the infamous bathroom bill that caused such a backlash whether you think that backlash is fair or not doesn't that impact economic growth?
1: Well, you know, during that whole time, we were still growing. So I, I don't know how much. I mean, it certainly matters to some companies more than others. Some are more politically act, active than others. Um, it was certainly a, a, a topic for two years. We know that. Uh, and we ended up at a at a, at, you know, a form of compromise. Where we came out at the end of it, I, most of us are still not really sure. Uh, it was a weird time, for sure. Uh, but I, I, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I, we, we, you see, states like Florida, states like Texas who are doing very well, um, you know, more kind of uniparty rule. Uh, so I, don't, I think it's more of, of matching up with the citizens of the state. And if that's where the citizens of the state have moved, uh, then I think, you know, in, in terms of representative democracy, that's what it looks like. All right, Representative Moray, weigh in on that. How much You know,
2: if we had a Republican supermajority the last four years, is Apple coming here? Are these other companies, these big companies coming here? I mean, I will say, you know, we're the number one state for business right now, according to, I believe CNBC, a lot of that has to do with Republican tax policy, but we got a heck of a good quality of life here. Does that kind of just overcome it all?
0: Well, and I think businesses are concerned about what are our social values? What are we doing about, you know, uh, LGBT rights? What are we doing about funding our public schools? I mean, we have a lot of revenue. But we had a budget that wasn't debated in an open committee. It was a conference budget. You know, that power concentrated in a majority without dialogue with a minority. I, do, I don't think that serves the state the best way it can.
2: Yeah, they, just to be clear, that last budget moved through a process where it didn't have to go through each committee and get the amount of – I will say it say earlier when you said that you try – you all try to get – uh, bipartisanship on, I, I think try might be doing a lot of work there. I'll let representative Morris weigh in on that.
0: Well, you know, I do think we felt left out of the budget process that, you know, there were no amendments allowed. It came to the floor. It's up or down. But, you know, I I agree our economy is good, but I also think we're failing to do what we need to do for so many of the people the working class, the people that are getting less than a minimum wage, you know, the working three jobs, our public schools. We're coming into a constitutional crisis. You know, if our courts say we must fund the Leandro Plan and the General Assembly refuses to, you know, where are we going? I'm really concerned about, you know, the public schools and our educators getting what they deserve, and uh, watching these test scores fall, we have to do a lot more.
2: Yeah, and the Leandro Plan, just for folks who don't know, is a long-running court case where it, the courts may order the state legislature to drastically increase education funding by hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars over the next few years, and then I don't know what happens because I, I don't know that we've ever seen uh, the supreme state Supreme Court order the legislature to pass a bigger budget. We're gonna take a quick break right here, and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk a little bit more. and
0: score with the Jim Allen Group at the jagadvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Breaking news. The Designery can give you the kitchen of your dreams. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help you fix your home up. We are The Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com.
2: All right, y'all. Welcome back. We got one Republican, one Democrat, both uh, well-respected lawmakers at the state legislature talking about whether or not uh, Republicans should win a supermajority and take, you know, really take the reins of uh, policy writing in state government, even more so than they have now because they could overturn Governor Roy Cooper uh, Democrats vetoes, uh, Representative saying Republican, what will your party do on abortion if y'all get a supermajority?
1: I think that that answer is yet to yet to be found out. You, one, we got to see who makes it to the legislature for sure, right? Um, varying opinions and varying opinions within my own caucus about what needs to happen. Uh, as we were watching the case as it was going through, um, there were there were heated opinions in the room, like I say, within the caucus room, caucuses, you know, just the Republicans when we meet and have our, have our meeting outside of the, the, the legislative body. Uh, as, as we were discussing, you had, uh, folks that wanted to do a, a lot more, uh, by limiting abortion, And you had folks who wanted to leave things kind of status quo with the law that's on the book. Status quo is at 20 weeks. 20 weeks.
2: You can't can't get abortion without a medical emergency after 20 weeks in North Carolina, not legally at least.
1: Right. And so that's there and it's in place. And for some in my caucus, uh, that limitation was fine. Uh, they were okay leaving it at that. So I, I, I don't know that we have that answer yet, uh, what that will look like, uh, because it, it really depends on who gets elected, and it depends on uh, their opinions. And when you look at the Republican the, the Republicans that are on those uh, uh, you know, kind of what I call purple seats, those toss-up seats, Uh, they're, they're generally from more urban districts, more suburban to urban districts. Um, they're, they're a bit more moderated in their, in their viewpoints. Uh, and then you'll, you'll see whatever the, the, the democratic minority looks like. And so again, you've got to cobble together the votes there too. So I I don't know that the the assumption, and I've heard this on some of the the talk radio shows and so forth, and, and some of the prognosticators, I don't know that that necessarily moves the needle uh, much further to the right, or if it is more looks like the status quo, because because of who uh, those new Republicans will be that make up that supermajority, Sure.
2: But I mean, fair to say leadership is primarily uh, from more conservative districts. You know, I know the Speaker of the House is uh, Tim Moore. He's expressed interest in a heartbeat bill, which is, I I think, six weeks in that that area. Uh, Senate President Pro Tem Phil Berger, the number one Republican in the Senate, he said maybe around 12 weeks, although he hasn't fully committed to that. There is a bill at the national level that has a lot of Republican backing at 15 weeks. I mean, don't voters need to know what the policy—I mean, before they vote
1: for y'all well I, I- I, I think that's right, but but the voters aren't voting for for the entire legislative body. I I, I think it goes into like I say those districts where it is going to be close, and so and those questions are being asked of, of those that are running uh, that have opponents in those in those really close races. So I, I I think like I say I think it comes back to the legislature and it, and it comes back to to how that debate plays out, and and we're really just not sure until we know what the makeup of the body is. But that's if that's an issue that's important to you, and you're and you're watching uh, you know the contest. That are in those toss-up districts, and you might live in one. Uh, certainly, in this this listening area where we're sitting, uh, you you might be making that choice. So I think it's you know incumbent upon the voter to ask that 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 candidate wh- where do they stand on that issue? Because I, I think it's I think it will be critical if, if that's an important issue to you, then then that's something you need to know and ask of of your legislator.
2: And there will be significant pressure from Republican groups, important Republican constituencies, to go further uh, than the state has now. I- Representative Maury, do you, do you feel like this moderating impact on abortion will would win out the day, even under a Republican supermajority, or do you think there's going to be too much pressure to go further?
0: Oh, I, I think we're worried that it will go further. Um, before the session adjourned last time, I was the sponsor of a bill, Codify Roe v.ersus Wade. It's what the country knew. It was 50 years of law, and let's keep it the same. But I think any time we hear Republicans debate, should it be six weeks, should it be 12 weeks, should it be 20 weeks? we're inserting ourselves into a woman's private health care decision. And I think that's dangerous. And I, there probably is some disagreement among Democrats in the, in the caucus about how the language would look. But I think we look at it more of a woman's right to privacy and right to have her own health decisions.
2: Poll numbers though show pretty good support at 20 weeks. I mean, (laughs) I think it's in the neighborhood of 60%. I mean, you're never gonna, that is such a divisive issue. Uh, but I mean, what's the argument against leaving where it is? Why would Democrats want to undo some of that?
0: Well, I think they want to adhere to what the Constitution was interpreted by the justices for 50 years in Roe versus Wade. Uh, we have chaos across this country now with 50 states, 50 individual laws, women coming across borders, trying to find appointments. I mean, it's a mess right now. Uh, but I think the moderate view of Democrats is we should not be involved in these health care decisions.
2: Talk to me about guns a little bit. That's a, you're a former judge, uh, and guns is an issue that, like you said, I think earlier, you've, you've had about 10 bills you've tried to get forward. What would, would not just you but kind of the majority of the Democratic Party like to see on guns? And, and, and with the caveat that none of this will move because Republicans are going to be in control. So maybe the better way to put the question is what sort of – what would you like to see move forward and what sort of moderating influence would, would a Democratic – Uh, the the, the veto power have on gun bills.
0: Well, I'd like not have this be a a party issue. I think it's a common sense issue. What is the public safety? We talk about crime. Well, crime is going up because we have so many guns flooding the society and we're doing nothing to hold gun owners responsible to safely store their guns. I've been a proponent of these red flag laws where you go to a court, you present evidence, someone's in danger, a judge can temporarily remove a gun. To prevent suicide, to prevent uh, a homicide, these aren't political issues, but there's they're common sense issues. We have to address this with the rise in the murders and what we're seeing. Something has to be done.
2: And no, no real support. I don't think, at least in the House Republican Caucus for red flag laws, uh, y'all have tried to make some incremental moves. Republicans have uh, Reb saying on concealed carry to make it so that you do not have to go through so many hoops to concealed carry. Do you see that moving forward, or what do you see moving forward if y'all get a supermajority? <laughs> I,
1: I, I think it it is much uh, kind of status quo as we are today. Um, I, I You know, Hanick, Representative Hanick, now Senator Hanick, i got to remember that, he's he's moved over to the the other chamber, I won't say upper chamber, the other chamber, a coastal Republican, the coastal Republican, Bobby Hanning had, had the safe storage bill that, that went through the house. I think there's some places that, that the conversations can happen. Uh, but I also know that, that Republicans are going to be you know very intentional about protecting what we believe is a, is a fundamental right. Uh, and I, and I don't accept the premise that, that, that murders and crime is going up just simply because of availability of guns. I think that there's a deeper societal problem going on right now. Uh, there, there, there seems to be lawlessness ac- across the United States. Um, and so, and you, you know, you look at the defund the police movement and, and, and the attack on just authority in general, uh, that's happening, you know, and these things ebb and flow as we've seen in our, our, you know, nation's history. But I, but I don't know that, that that that's necessarily what's going to solve that problem. I think there's some some deeper societal problems and some some you know philosophical problems. Uh, I I think we get through this. Um, I think things change. I think outlooks change. I think part of it's leadership on the national level. I think it's part of you know certainly uh, the tone and the and, and and what people see in the media. Um, you know, and I, and I hate it. I hate violence for anybody, whether it's, you know, whatever the weapon, right. Uh, or if it's just, you know, physical violence, whatever that is. Uh, but I don't know that we solve it with, with necessarily more laws. I think it's, it's much to do with, with the philosophical nature of, 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 where we're at as a, as a society.
2: Yeah. There's only so much you can do about that in a state legislature though. And I will point out, we have more guns in this country than we do have people. just uh, so did not see much correlation
1: between the two. I mean, you have to see some, right meaning what I, I mean meaning that people are going to be violent to each other people have been violent to each other before guns um, it's a lot
2: easier when you just have to pull a trigger though well
1: how much do you use a gun I mean I you know so I mean if're we're, if we're talking that I can be just as lethal at 20 feet with a knife as I can be with a gun you talk to law enforcement officials who teach who teach uh, concealed carry classes. And I have my concealed carry. Uh, That's exactly what they'll tell you. And that's, and I've taken it twice just because I wanted to understand it. Uh, You know, once I got it, I I took it again because I I wanted to be, I'm a a safe gun owner. I believe I am. Uh, So I took the course twice and, and Two different teachers uh, said the same exact thing. So, you know, I I, I don't, and, and a lot of times you have people talk about guns who don't use guns. Uh, so that there's not a lot of familiarity with it. You see, you know, kind of stumbles and and, and um, inaccuracies about gun gun handling, gun management, bullets, so forth. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know that, again, I don't know that that solves the problem because it's, if someone has an intent to do something, to do someone harm, I, they find a way to do it, whether it's, a gun available, a knife available, or something else.
0: Gun gun crime has just risen exponentially. We just had a two-year-old pick up a gun and have a horrible accident. The accessibility, look at public opinion. The vast majority, WRAL, ran a public opinion poll. People want stronger gun safety measures.
2: But do they work? I mean, policy-wise, what are you going to do as a state legislature now that there are 400 million guns in the country?
0: Well, you have to start. Massachusetts has one of the strictest gun laws on their books and they have also the, the less crime.
1: It, it'd be interesting to see though, because I, 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 in my district in Lincoln County, um, we, we certainly um, have high gun ownership. I don't know what that number is, but I would guess it to be pretty high in in most households and we had one murder last year and that's generally what we average every year so I, I don't know that that's necessarily the correlation there, there, there's other factors involved and so that's where, where we can have some impact right and and where you know how we support law enforcement how how do we how do we look at those type of issues too so I don't I don't think there's just one answer uh to that problem all right we're
2: going along I do want to note though it has been several years since I fired a gun I'd still rather have it than the knife if I'm involved in something I want to ask about Medicaid expansion. Massive issue facing the state. This will be our last one. Uh, So the the Republicans for close to a decade blocked Medicaid expansion, which would expand taxpayer paid insurance uh, largely to the working poor in North Carolina. Last year, Republicans started to get on board. Over the last year, the Republicans started to get on board. Now the conflict is between the House and Senate. Different plans. The hospitals don't like the Senate's plan. They will like the hospital's plan. So this is not a Republican versus Democrat issue anymore, really. But if Republicans get a supermajority, it feels like there's this new question mark. A lot of people think Medicaid expansion is going to get over the finish line in the next six months or a year. How does Republicans getting a supermajority change that calculus, uh, Representative saying?
1: Well, it goes back to what I said earlier in the conversation. When you look at the Republicans that will make help make up that supermajority, um, we end up in into districts that are a little bit more moderated. Uh, you'll see candidates that are a little bit more, um, you know, uh, more likely to vote for Medicaid expansion. Uh, so I think that equation uh, is part of that. I think what you saw in this session, the Senate, uh, as typical sometimes the Senate does, is, is pass uh, not just that one issue, but they, they tied it to several other issues. And I think we, you know, it was a short session and we were, we were intentional on it being a, a short session. and. I don't think you, I know in our caucus, you couldn't get us to a comfortable place in, in our conversations with the Senate. I think this starts anew uh, with, with the new, with the new legislative body. If it, if we do happen to end up in uh super majorities, she have got what I, what I believe will be a, a, a few more moderate, moderate Republicans or their view would be more moderated. So it probably is likely to pass. Um, and, and it would pass on a bipartisan, you know, a bipartisan manner through the house and, and we'll see what the Senate does, but they've, they've, you know, obviously already put down where kind of where they're at. And I think we'll end up in the negotiation
2: represent more uh, quickly, more or less likely Medicaid expansion. Uh, Oh,
0: it should have happened 12 years ago. I mean, 600,000 people could have benefited. And how many people have died because they have not been able to get the health care coverage they could have had under this expansion? It needs to happen.
2: And Democrats certainly pushing for it. Uh, And now Republicans pushing for it. And yet we just haven't gotten it over the line. It's an interesting topic. We've gone a little longer than I meant to. Thank you, everybody at home, for listening. Uh, Thank you to our guests. Really appreciate your time this morning.
1: Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Marcia. Yeah, thanks. Y'all have a good day. Your heart. It's the only one you have.